Okay, I've got, I've got a question for you. Here's my question. Have you ever felt like quitting? Have you ever felt like giving up? Have you ever given up? Have you ever quit something? You know, I think at various times in our lives, we all feel like quitting, don't we? We all feel like giving up. I, I remember uh, just as my uh, career was really taking off uh, down in Manchester, we got married, we lived in Manchester for about 18 months, and uh, being country kids, we, we got this idea in our head that Manchester was like the pit of Satan, and uh, we needed to escape to the countryside, so we just needed a little simple job up in the Lake District, and... We'd live in the country, and it would all be wonderful. And so we did that. I quit my job in Manchester, and we moved up to the Lake District. And it was terrible. It was really, really boring. <laughs> there was nothing to do. It was just like, there was nothing to do in my job. It was just like, not challenging. And, and I found myself longing for all the things that I'd quit from. And, and you can get that in life, can't you? You, you, you? you see something, you think, oh, that, it would be so much better if I just quit this and went there. Or if I left here and went, moved there. Or, or, or whatever. And we all, I, I think we all go through times like that. And challenges like that. And you can go through challenges like that maybe at work. Maybe where you live. Maybe where you go to church. Maybe where you base your family. Maybe where your kids go to school. All, all these sort of things. Maybe we quit for all sorts of reasons. And, uh, you know, one of the, 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 the reasons that we do that is we don't want to fail. We want to succeed. And things get hard. And sometimes we kind of mess up, don't we? And we think, well, there's no coming back from that one, is there? So I might as well move on. I might as well go somewhere. I might as well get a new job. I might as well go here. And so we quit. And it, it's very easy sometimes just to feel like quitting in life, isn't it? Just like, I'm going to down tools. That's it. That's, that, that's me done. I'm just going to like do nothing from now on. I'm just not going to let anything affect me, not uh, anything touch me. I'm out of here. And uh, I was thinking about all this and it, because... You know, one of the things that, that really came out during, um, like, the aftermath of lockdown and COVID and all that sort of stuff is that pastors of churches were quitting at an absolutely astonishing rate. And even if they weren't quitting, they wanted to quit, but didn't know quite how to do that with, you know, and walk faithfully with God. And it, I can't remember the statistics, but it was a huge proportion of pastors. And I'm going like, why is that God? You know, why do we get like that? And we get like that because we get to a point where we think it's easier to stop than it is to carry on. We lose hope. And sometimes we just really mess up. I, I was, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking um, about something that happened when I was dating Cheryl. Cheryl will, will remember this, but I was kind of, it was really in the kind of early days of me and Cheryl dating. 
And we, we went out for a walk. And because I wanted to make a really good impression on Cheryl, uh, I had my new trousers on and my new shoes. And one thing to do is not, if you live in the Lake District, is don't go for a walk in your new trousers and your new <laughs> shoes. Because it's not a good idea. And I was, we, we were kind of walking along and there was, there was a puddle and I thought, oh, well, you know, it's just a puddle. And I was trying to, trying to impress Cheryl. So I stepped in his puddle to find out it was actually a great big hole. And I went right down on my bum, mud all over me, all over my trousers. And Cheryl's like laughing her head off there. And so as, what would you do in that situation, having fallen? Well, I'll tell you what I did. I got up gracefully. You know, I like... <clears throat> and I go, ta-da, doesn't bother me. I, and I got the girl. Cheryl thought it's like, you know, like the, the funniest thing that happened for ages. But I'm kind of like, I'm not going to let it affect me. I'm just going to carry on walking in soaking wet, mud-covered clothes. I'm just going to carry on walking because I'm after this girl. And you know... Some, there's a point to this that we have two, when we fall, when we, when we get mud, when everything just goes a different way from what we expected, you've got two responses. You can get up gracefully or you can stay down in the mud. And you know, what I've noticed in, in all these years that we've been pastoring is that there are some folks some believers who spend all their time talking about the attack and the fall. All the time about what went wrong, all the time about how much that affected them, etc., etc., etc. And it kind of becomes dominant in their life. But here's a lesson for me ending up in a puddle. God doesn't want us focused on the attack or the fall or the slip or the mess. He wants us to get back up and talk about the recovery. He doesn't want us as quitters. God never quit on us, and he doesn't want us to quit on him. God doesn't want a church full of people who quit. He wants a church full of people who overcome. People who take what they hear on a Sunday morning and apply it in their lives and use it in their lives and see them overcome situations, get back up covered in mud and still come out a winner. And I came out a winner. I got the girl. So we're we good. But that, that's kind of what God's looking for. He's looking for those who, who are not stuck in the fall that will get up and rise up and do what he asked them to do and go through. So we... We, in, in this time we live in, we need to be people who don't quit. People who don't just throw the toys out of the pan. People who are not easily offended. But more importantly, people who determine that they're going to walk in faith, even when it's hard. And so, you know, what, why do we do this? Why do we quit? Why do we give up? You know, Cheryl asked me a bit later, like, why, whenever I'm telling this story to all my friends about how you ended up in puddle in the mud and all that sort of, whenever I'm doing that, why do you never want to talk about that? 
And my response to that is always the same, which is, I don't want to talk about the fall. Did you see the getting up? <laughs> Did you see what, how I got up from that fall? That's what I want to talk about. And where does, where does it come from, that, that kind of why we fall? Why we give up? Why we quit? Where does it come from? Well, it comes from all sorts of places, but one of the biggest things by my observation, and, and my observation in my own life, is we quit and we give up because of others. We, we don't really accept responsibility. We give up because of what others have done to us, what others have said to us, how others have treated us, and so on. And, you know, a while ago when I was kind of uh, being challenged on some stuff and somebody was uh, not treating as well, I had to, you, you have to work through these things. And so... I had these, these verses, and they come from uh, a, a, a prophet in the Old Testament, a guy called Micah. And Micah was a, a prophet to uh, some of the tribes of Israel. And he's one of the little books at the end. So in your Bible, they're called minor prophets. Have you ever heard that? Major prophets and minor prophets. Have you ever wondered why they're called major prophets and minor prophets? Well, if you've ever wondered that, I'm going to give you the answer. So Micah was a minor prophet. That does not mean he was only four foot tall. Okay. What it means is he's got a small book. In your Bible, you'll find it's arranged in a particular way. And major prophets, the big books, come before the smaller books, which are the minor prophets. And that's, that's all the logic there is to it. it. Some of those minor prophets had massive effects on nations. People like Amos, people like Jonah, minor prophets, but major effects. And so it's not, it's not the, 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 the title, it's the power of what God spoke through them. And coming towards the end of Micah, in its chapter 7, you get this. It, it says, so we, this is where we're talking about the effect other people have on us. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. You know... Enemies and people who try and pull you down love to revel in it. But we're talking as people who have God who is for us. So don't rejoice over this. When I fall, I will arise. When I fall, I will arise. Did you see the getting up? When I fall, I will arise. That's the attitude of a faith-filled believer. I'm getting up. I'm going to stand up on my feet. I might be covered in mud, but I'm getting up and I'm going to go on and I'm going to see my victory in this. And then he says, when I sit in darkness, the Lord is a light to me. You know, the enemy tries to pile stuff on you. Um, pastor that I listen to sometimes, he calls it the pile-up technique. Because as believers, we're usually quite resilient to one challenge. And the enemy knows that. So he doesn't just do one challenge. He does one challenge. And then just as you're working your way through that one, another one comes along. And just as you're working your way through that one, another one comes along. And, and 
It's called his pile-up technique. And what he wants to do, you to do is to stay down and not rise up. And so we look to God, and he gives us the insight and the wisdom in the situation we're in. And he says, I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I've sinned against him until he pleads my case and executes justice for me. What does that tell us? Well, that tells us that when we're in this situation where it's others around us that are making us want to quit and give up and, and just throw down our toys, what he tells us is the first thing we've got to do is not in regard to them. We've got to deal with what we did wrong in that situation. And we deal with it before the Lord. We deal with our wrongs in that situation. That's the first step. That's what lets God in. Because once you've dealt with that step, the enemy's got nothing to attack you with and challenge you with and make you pull you down with. You know, you can then turn around and say, I dealt with this with God. I'm okay. Because that's the only person I need to deal with it with. And then he says, he will bring me forth to the light. I will see his righteousness. Then she, who is my enemy, will see. And shame will cover her who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see her. Now she will be trampled down like mud in the streets. What's he saying there? He's saying that the people who tried to pull you down, the people who tried to bring you down, they will see God's intervention in the situation. And they will have an experience of God as your vindicator. I would hazard a guess that most of us in our experience really have ever struggled to get to that point. Because we've quit before we get there. And we've moved on or we've changed or we've done something else or we've gone somewhere else. And, it, and it, it's easy, isn't it, for the enemy to disrupt what God is doing in a body of believers or in, in churches in a particular area just by getting everybody to move and go and fall out and get offended so we all quit. And just like we go, we, we, we went to the beautiful countryside to find out that it's not so beautiful and Manchester in the rain had more of what we needed than, than the beautiful concert. So we ended up going back to Manchester and uh, starting again, well, we ended up going to Preston and ultimately Manchester and starting again, building my career and it... it Following God worked. There was, but what I'll say is there was always opportunities to quit all the way through. And those opportunities to quit often involved other people being idiots, doing stupid things or vindictive things or revenge things. So we don't quit. Now, for some folks... And I'm not saying any of them are here, but this, these are just things I was, I've just obs I've observed. For some folks, quitting is kind of a way of life. You know, I used to get CVs when I was recruiting, and it's people who've been like through like 
20 jobs in six years. And, and, and I'm not exaggerating. They have been through 20 jobs in six years. And I, I'm not going to interview them and, and go like, so why did you quit that one? Why did you quit that one? Why did you quit that? Oh, well, they weren't treating me well. And, and there's always reasons. But for some people, quitting becomes a pattern of life. But as believers, it shouldn't be a pattern for a believer. For a believer, you should only quit and go somewhere else or change location or whatever. You should only do that if you have a direct word from God and a call of God to go somewhere. You know, I, I know people uh, in faith life over the years who've are here today because, not because it was easy, but because God didn't tell them to go anywhere else. They stayed the course. And it's really important because that's, that's kind of what God wants from us. Now, here's the thing. This is kind of challenging. Like last week, I was, that when I was talking about raising our levels, what's our expectation? What are we expecting God to do in our life? What are we expecting God to do in our midst in this church? And then as resolving that we will actually do what he said in his word, which last week I was talking about uh, how we believe in our heart and how we speak from our mouth. And there's things that we don't say and places that we don't look and things that we do don't focus on. And there's things that we do say and we do look at and we do focus on. But if we want God's results, supernatural solutions to natural problems, we have to do this stuff. And, and we have to take what you hear on a Sunday morning and live it. And equally with what, I'm going to say here, we have to take it and live it. We have to move from just that cycle of doing great, something happens, we throw our toys out of the palm, and it takes us ages to recover, or we just quit completely. We have to move out of that cycle. You see, the choices you make determine where you'll end up. The choices you make determine where you end up. And kind of the, the, the issue that we have in life is that we don't appreciate that where we end up is the sum of the individual choices we make along the way. Every time you have a choice between two alternatives, you are choosing a different path. And over time, those paths will diverge. And you want to be on the path that God's leading you on, not the path that's over here. And so we have to be people who understand that the choices we make determine where we're going to end up. And if we understand that, then we can be more patient and less of a quitter. Because, you know, people, if somebody makes you mad, you quit. If somebody upsets you, you quit. If you think you're wronged, you quit. If you don't get you what you want at the time you decided you wanted it, you quit. If it gets difficult, you quit. If you feel tired, you quit. You know, the, the thing I hear more than anything else, and it's not that it's untrue, is I can't do anything because I'm tired. We've always been tired. It's just we like to talk about it more and we quit and fall back as a result of being tired. 
You know, the Welsh revival was carried by guys who were 12 hours a day down the mines and came out of the mines and went straight to church. And they weren't saying, I'm tired. So much of the way we react to things is because we have the spirit of the world in us. Jesus is our strength. Jesus is our energy. Jesus is the determinant of our priorities. Let me take you to a, a passage where Jesus is kind of talking about this a bit. And it's a, a passage that we actually use and we start our Rock Solid course with this passage. And it's John 8, 31 and 32. But when we do Rock Solid, we start with John 8, 32, which says, you'll know, know the truth and the truth will set you free. How many of you want that in your life? Knowing the truth and the truth setting you free? Okay, some of you aren't sure about this. Uh, is that a bad promise or are we missing something? Who, who, who wants that to be a reality in their life? Free of stuff that's holding you back. Free of stuff that's pulling you down. Free of stuff that you've not been able to get free of. How many of you want it? I want that. But this, that's not the whole of what Jesus said. Because there's a, there's, there's a way that that happens. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if, if, if is a little word with a big connotation. In other words, this is conditional. You being free, you knowing the truth, is conditional on something happening. So we all desire freedom, but perhaps we don't like the verse that precedes it, which is, if you do this, this is how you get to that freedom. This is how you get to knowing that truth. And this verse says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the if you abide in my word is what makes you a disciple. And if you're really a disciple, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But if you're not really a disciple because you don't abide in the word, you won't know the truth and you won't be set free. You can't short circuit this. And some people go, well, it's grace. Oh, that's just mine. No, it's not. It's paid for by Jesus. The truth is there for you. It's in God's word, but you have to use what has been paid for. You have to use grace, otherwise you take grace in vain. So, what Jesus is saying here, people who are really my disciples are those who abide in my word. And that's this week's big challenge. What are we expecting of ourselves in this? Because to abide in his word means that's the place you live from. That's the place you dwell. It's just like going home to your house. It's, it's your starting point for everything and it's your end point for everything. So Jesus is saying, if you're, for people to be my disciples, they need to be that sort of person. There's not a shortcut. So we need to be people who abide in his word. And kind of the problem we've got is this, this, this spirit of the age where 
we are great starters but bad finishers. How many times have you seen people hair off with a new idea of a new plan or whatever, and about three or four weeks in, it's like they never started at all, and they don't see it through? But Jesus, you see, the kingdom of heaven works by seeing things through. We go through things to see victories. We go over things to overcome. We get past things to leave them in the past. The goal for a believer is not starting well, it's finishing well. And Jesus is saying to be a finisher, you've got to be one who dwells and lives their life from the place of my word. That's what's going to make you a disciple. And, and, you know, some of the great men of the 1800s and 1900s, what, what they were really concerned about was a time when the church would call themselves disciples, but weren't living from the word. Weren't living from the power of the word. Weren't, was, weren't trying to be careful to live it out. You know, when I said to, uh, I was talking to John this morning, and uh, I was talking uh, about not quitting, and, and we see these things, and John and I were comparing them, and it's, came, it's kind of, uh, what did he say, John? Keep on keeping on. Yeah? Got to live life because life is to be lived. You know, those sort of things. We, we have these little things, but they're not biblical things. What is biblical is being a disciple, which is committing ourselves to Jesus and following him and doing what he tells us to do. And, and when we do what he tells us to do, that produces the, the results that they had when the apostles walked the earth. That produces the results that you see in a ministry, say, like John G. Lakes or Oliver Roberts or Catherine Kuhlman. They did what is there. Now, we all want that, but you can't... Let, listen to me really carefully. You cannot get that by proxy. You can't get this by attending a meeting of somebody else who's got it. It's not abiding the meeting or abiding the conference or abide here or abide there. It's abiding the word. This is, this is like a personal walking of it out. So much as I would like it to work like COVID, I can't infect you this morning with this. You have to infect yourselves daily with it. And when you infect yourself daily with it, You'll change. And, and Jesus will be like living out of you. The, the, the energy, the excitement that will come with that is more than you could ever generate yourself. If we don't develop the art of continuing, you can't become who Jesus made you to be. Now, I make no apology for this. The Christian walk is not easy. And if, if we try to make it easy so it's attractive to people who don't want it to be easy, we just lower the bar so low it doesn't work. 
So why do we quit? And how do we not quit? Well, we, here's the first thing. We have to settle in our hearts once and for all that quitting on what Jesus has given us to do and what Jesus has asked to do is not an option. We have to settle that in our hearts. But then we have to get over two, three things that often cause us to quit. The first one I've already covered, which is what others have done, what others have said, the way others have treated us. And we get offended. And, and sometimes we just, we just attacked by others. But we've got to get over that. Why do, why do believers quit? And why do believers just settle for such this, this low bar? And I've been kind of trying to work that out and understand it. God gave me these three other reasons. The first one is that because believers are not convinced that God's going to keep his word. They're not convinced God's going to keep his word. And if you're not convinced God's going to keep his word, you'll always struggle with faith and prayer. Because there's often a gap between the prayer and the answer. And if the enemy can get you to a place where you're not convinced God's going to keep his word, you'll not get to the answer. So where do you get conviction? If you haven't got it, where's it come from? The word, that's why Jesus said, abide in the word. You get it from the word. Now, that's because the word isn't just words on a page. It is words on a page, but according to uh, the writer of Hebrews, those words aren't dead words like they are if you're reading a novel by some famous writer. They're living. They're active. They're able to do things inside of you. They're able to cut to the chase about what is flesh and what is spirit. They're able to cut to the chase about what is your, your own motives and God's motives. Those, the words of God in the Bible are like little seeds, the containers. And they contain the faith of God when he spoke them through the Holy Spirit. And if we plant them in our hearts, in a willing heart, they'll bear fruit. So, the only way we can be convinced initially that God will keep his word is to get the word in us. And the word acts in us to produce faith and produce life and produce that conviction that God will keep his word. Now, the, the problem with that is that you have to do this even when you don't feel like it. And you could say, well, you know... I go to a church and it teaches the word and preaches the word. Well, that's great. But we're talking every day. We're talking depositing it in there. We're talking th mulling it over, letting it, letting it speak to you. We have to get to this place where we believe God's word as quickly as we would the word of a doctor, of a nurse, of a lawyer, or even an accountant. 
you know, often doctors can say things and we go, that's it then. No, we have to believe the word of God that says, I am entitled to a long life and to be satisfied. That God's desire for me is that I would prosper in all things and be in health. That God's my healer, that Jesus paid for my healing. And that when I meditate on his words and incline my ear to them, according to Proverbs, it's health to my flesh. It's life to my flesh. It brings healing to my flesh. And, and that's where I've got to believe. That's what I've got to believe. And here's the thing about God. We can be confident that he always keeps his word. Because it's been shown to us that he's not a man. The Bible says he's not a man who can lie. And that's the problem. Often we try and assess God based on our experience of things that have happened to us on the basis that other people have lied to us. And we're always trying to find out who's lying to us and who isn't lying to us. I'm absolutely baffled who's telling me the truth and who's lying to me now because I can't, I can't trust anything on media or social media or anything. You can put anything on there. And, and people say it's true. I have no idea anymore. You know, even I don't, I don't even know if the truth checkers are checking the truth or what, what they're checking, or even if truth checkers are just lying to me anyway. I don't know. And so we live with that, and that can erode our confidence in God. But we've got to believe in God, and we've got to trust him, because he's not a man, so he doesn't lie. You know, the whole purpose of God's word is that there are a series of covenants that he has with mankind. He intends, he, he has always kept his covenant. God has never broken a covenant throughout the history of the world. But we've always broken them, our covenants with him. And so he's not, he, he, he's not on the basis of lying, so we can trust him. The second reason I think we quit, and, and I believe God showed me this, is that we're not willing to wait. And, and again, we've been trained in that since that, the early years of our life, that, that everything is immediate, everything's fast, and it's got faster and faster and faster as I've lived. You know, I, I, I think I've shared this story before, but I used to, when I was a kid and I was collecting comics, um, what you had to do then is you, you, you would see an advert in the comic, and you had to send a stamped address to an envelope, send it off, to this comic dealer and then they would send you back their list of stock and you go down this list of stock and you you'd tick the box the ones you wanted and you go down to the post office and you get your postal order and you put it in the envelope and you'd send it off and it says please allow 28 days for delivery and by about day 25 it usually arrived because we were used to waiting. To my shame, I get irritated if my McDonald's takes more than three minutes. I really do, because that's not my expectation. Our expectation is everything's immediate. You know, people, I, I'm kind of out of this now, but people will email our daughter Jessica 
at like 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. And by Sunday lunchtime, she'll have a second email saying he hasn't responded yet. Why? It's ridiculous. But it's life. It's where we are. And if we succumb to that, we become unwilling to wait. Why is it so important that we learn to wait? Because faith has a twin. It has a power twin. And these are the power twins, faith and patience. Let me take you to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Here's what it says. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Usually when we pray for something, we're in a place of confidence. We might be in church on Sunday. We've just had a great worship session. We pray for something. We're confident. We're, we're on, a, on a hook, on and up. But don't cast it away. Do not cast away that confidence. In other words, hang on to how it was when you prayed. Because confidence has great reward. Who wants the reward? I want the reward. It's easy, this. It's that kind of noddy stuff. For you have need of endurance. That's you don't quit. So that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. And, and sometimes we think, oh, why can't I have it right now? I don't know. But I trust in a God who does know. And, and sometimes, you know, the Bible tells me that because I love him, he's working together all things for my good. And that can take time. The Bible tells me that he's also my vindicator, but that can take time. The Bible tells me he's a promise keeper, but it doesn't put a time scale on it. In fact, in the, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about people who waited all their lives to see the promise of God. But God kept his promise. So patience and faith are power twins. They go together. And, and it's that lack of patience, that lack of endurance, that quitting on God and quitting on our prayer that digs that faith up again. And so we, we don't get through to the answers. We don't get through to the promises. You know, I'm, I'm kind of just looking around there. I'm kind of reminded about uh, the testimony that Kirsty gave a few weeks ago about that long journey she had from where she was three years ago to where she is now. And like completely different person. Um, but I bet there was lots of times when you felt like quitting. And it's only because you didn't that you got to where you did. And so faith and patience go together. Here's what the, the message version uh, says, uh, or the way it puts that same passage. Here we go. So don't throw it all away now. That's so important, isn't it? I, I just think we, for a lot of things that we are looking for in our lives, we throw it away. We throw away our confidence. We throw away our faith. We throw away our trust in God because if it takes time. Don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then. And it's still a sure thing. 
But you need to stick it out, staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. I believe that God is answering promises all over the earth right now, and we're not seeing them because we aren't there for the promised completion. We've exited stage left. We need to be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up most any minute. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be happy. But we're not quitters who lose out. Oh, no, we'll stay with it and survive trusting all the way. So we need, some of you remember years ago, I preached a series lots of years ago called Bulldog Faith. And, and we need that sort of faith. It, it, what's remarkable about a, a bulldog? Have you ever tried? It's not safe, so don't try it at home. But have you ever tried to get anything out of the mouth of a bulldog that it's bit down on? You're not getting it. We, you just can't get it out of the mouth. Like you can pull and pull and pull, and it, it will not let go. And that's, that's the faith that Jesus is calling us to, that bulldog faith that will not let go of the promises of God despite what they see, despite the length of time it's taken, and despite all the stuff that people say. What's the third reason? It kind of ties into the first two. We quit because we don't really know God. We have an abstract relationship with God instead of a personal relationship with God. Because fellowshipping with him and hearing his voice is absent from our life. Or not very frequent. And, and when you don't know God... And when you don't know God's voice, it's easy to hear other voices that will tell you to quit. The enemy is stealing God's promises left, right, and center in the body of Christ because we're quitters. Because we haven't developed endurance. Because we haven't developed patience. When you are established in the word of God, you become someone different. And that different is that you become someone who is able to receive the promises of God. I think the, the thing we do is that when we're struggling with this sort of stuff, we don't run in the right direction. We run away instead of towards where we should run. And we should run towards God. So when you feel like quitting, when you feel like, oh, I just need something new, something fresh, I just need to go get it out. Or when somebody's offended you or somebody's upset you and you go, oh, I've had enough. That's the time we run to God. That's the time we get into the word. That's the time we establish ourselves. That's the time we're patient. You know, never make a decision on a negative. That's the way of the world. The world makes decisions on a negative. But we have a positive God. We make decisions because he's shown us the positive future. That's why we do things. We're not 
decide is on negatives, we decide is on a positive future. Let's stand. Can I have the worship team back? I'm just going to pray over a couple of things for you. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. But firstly, I'm going to pray for those who feel like quitting something right now. Hopefully it's not church because there's coffee at the back at the end, so don't go yet. But those who feel like, I've just had enough. If that's you, I'm just going to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit on the inside of us, that we are strong, that we are bold on the inside, that we have the fruits of your Spirit on the inside, patience, faithfulness, joy. I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray for everybody who just is feeling like I've had enough. That they will run to you. They will look to you. They will be strong and they will endure till they see the promise that they're waiting for. For some of you, just kind of just, some of you feel like you're under attack right now. I don't mean this second, but right at this moment in, in your life. And so, Lord, I pray for that person. I pray that you will put a shield and a wall around them, that you will draw close with your Holy Spirit. An enemy, I tell you, to leave them alone right now by the authority of Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When we used to do this bulldog faith thing, we used to say something out loud. Let's see if anybody remembers it. I'll tell you what it is. I'm not giving up. I'm not backing down. I'm not stopping now. I am not just surviving. I'm I am thriving. Right, let's try it. I'm not giving up. I'm not backing down. I'm not stopping now. I'm not just surviving. I am thriving. Let's try it a bit louder. I'm not giving up. I'm not backing down. I'm not stopping now. I'm not just surviving. I am thriving. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Glory to you. Let's worship him.